Chapter 10 Aidan watched Neil Moray's carriage until it turned at the corner a few blocks away. Then he grabbed his coat from the hook at the front door and shrugged it on. Just as he drew back the deadbolt, he saw Eva appear in the hallway behind him. Even in her crude woolen shift and apron, she looked good to him. He paused. Instead of going to Murphy's pub to plot an uprising, he could stay here with her and take her to bed. He could make plans to leave Londo and put all this behind him. It would be so easy. I heard everything, she said. Aiden turned to face her. I know what you agreed to do, Aiden. So you could be arrested. He didn't say anything. Or killed. She moved forward. Aiden, how could you agree to do such a thing? For options. He nodded at her belly. She didn't look pregnant, but she wouldn't lie about such a serious situation. Her hand covered the place his gaze had landed. It won't help our child if his father is not around, or dead. Won't come to that. How do you know? She walked to the door and put her hand on his arm. Why would you trust a complete stranger like that? Access? To what? The compound. Why? Got my reasons. She studied him until the confusion in her eyes sharpened to disbelief. Are you doing this for your... your movement? Her tone raked over him, leaving wounds that might never heal. He wished she believed in him, but he knew her worldview was narrow and centered upon herself. This could be our big chance, Eva. She stared at him as if he had lost his mind. How can you think of a rebellion at a time like this? Might not be a better time. When she kept staring at him, enraged, he added, No son of mine is going to... to live like an animal. He doesn't have to work in a mine, Aiden. Better to wash coal like you? No. But he could become a constable or an administrator. How? Aiden's tone grated. He didn't want to be cruel to Eva, but her lack of practicality frustrated him. She was a dreamer, an optimist, and he was a man who knew dreams never came true without a lot of work, if ever. Where will we get the credits to educate him? To give him advantages? You don't even have a job now. I'll get one. For a few months? Then what? She wilted. Aiden, please, let's not quarrel. Her face warned him that she was about to cry. He couldn't endure her weeping. Please, don't do this. I have to. He took both her shoulders in his rough hands. It's important, more important than our child. He stared down at her worried face. There's was an unbalanced relationship in which he played the father and she played the child. In the beginning, he had loved her innocence and her simple nature. He had loved seeing the world through her eyes. And more than anything, he had loved showing her the wonders of her female body. But now it was time to grow up. A child was on the way. 
he would have two more mouths to feed and no government assistance. Only those sanctioned for marriage got assistance. He barely got by as it was. He couldn't afford two more others on his rations. He had to do something. Nothing's more important than the child, he answered. Yet, yet you are going to risk your life. The movement has been in the works a long time. This is our chance. But the child, bad timing. When you say it like that, you make it sound like it's my fault, she pulled out of his hands. Didn't say that, but you meant it that way. I can tell. Tears burst from her eyes. You think I'm meant to get pregnant, don't you, Aiden? You think I'm dragging you down, getting in the way. No, Eva. I'll go. I'll just go. She grabbed her cloak from the peg. Joanna will know what to do. Eva! There's always the marriage machine. I can always get married. That will put a roof over my baby's head. She yanked open the door and ran out to the street. He watched her skitter down the cracked sidewalk and was torn by his dual loyalties. He had pressing business to discuss with the men at Murphy's and no time or patience to try to talk sense into Eva. He would catch up with her tomorrow and make amends. They had months yet until they had to make definite decisions. Thursday at the Central Compound Prison Joanna was awakened by the jingle of keys outside her cell. She couldn't believe how much she had slept inside the prison. She must have been more exhausted than she knew. As she sat up, her stomach growled. No one had given her food since she had been thrown in this hellhole. She watched the door, hoping that Gabriel Stone had come to take her home. But it was only the guard. He held the lantern high and squinted at her. Is it us and Wilding? It's Wilder. You're to come with me. He nodded at the hallway. His greasy hair flopped against the grizzle on his cheeks. Joanna brushed the wrinkles out of her skirt and followed the small man into the corridor. She was so hungry, her limbs trembled and her thoughts dragged. She took a deep breath and told herself to ignore her physical weakness and concentrate on her mental acuity. She guessed she would need it. The guard took her up three flights of stairs to a room that smelled less of sewage and more of sweat and fried food. She entered the room, feeling shaky from her upward climb, and struggled to keep her balance as her head spun. The guard left her standing at the desk of an emaciated man who was dressed in a black uniform and gold goggles. He wore a badge on his uniform lapel that read, Citizen Tagwick, Warden. For what seemed like an eternity, Citizen Tagwick scrutinized a document on his desk blotter while Joanna shifted her weight from one frozen foot to the other. Finally, he slid his goggles to the top of his head and looked up at her. Highly improper, he said. She thought she had misunderstood him. Pardon? Your release. Highly improper. He stabbed the paper. Seems like a boondoggle to me. But I'm not pregnant. I never have been. So they say. He gave her a critical once-over, as if trying to decide whether or not she could tempt a man enough to get pregnant. She straightened her spine. His frown 
deepened. Something fishy is going on? Something fishy. Why is Citizen Stone so adamant about seeing to your release? Perhaps because he feels responsible for the mix-up. What mix-up? Her heart flopped over. Did he know? He couldn't know of the switch. Or could he? She licked her parched lips. You know, the false positive test. Hmm. The warden stared down at the paper and scowled. I shouldn't think he would go to so much trouble on a subject's behalf. She didn't say anything. She doubted her defense of Gabriel Stone's character would carry much weight with this thin man in his perfectly pressed uniform. That's what puzzles me. The warden lifted a rubber stamp and held it in the air over a red ink pad. Was he going to grant or deny her release with that stamp? Joanna stared at his hand while she held her breath. Then he lowered his hand to perch it on the edge of his desk again. Hmm. It's all on the up and up. Citizen Stone and I are doing nothing illegal or intend to, I assure you. The warden studied her. She stared back at him, unwavering, trying to convey the earnestness of truth. You applied to be a subject of his study. Yes, she lied. You took his tests. Yes, and since Citizen Stone has looked after you so solicitously, you will agree to continue with his program. Well, about that, I, I have changed my mind to make up for the considerable amount of time and resources that have been spent on your case. He raised the stamp again and then angled his head to stare at her with one eye as he waited for her response. She glanced at the stamp. She knew her answer would change the course of her life. If she said yes, she would be inducted into the experiment for who knows how long. Gabriel had mentioned months. She would lose her job. Her garden would suffer if she could not get to it. She might even lose her apartment. But if she said no, she suspected the warden would find a way to punish her. Do you or do you not agree, Citizen Wilder? Her mind whirled. She felt dizzy, sick with hunger. Agree, agree to what? To continue with Citizen Stone's program. Yes, she answered, even though she knew nothing of his experiment. Of course. He gave her one last scowl, and then pounded the stamp on the ink pad and again on the document. The two thumps echoed in her buzzing ears. I still smell a rat. He picked up the paper and waved it at the guard. Take her to Citizen Stone's lab. And stay there. Don't let her out of your sight until I send for you. The guard saluted and turned toward Joanna. And as for you, young lady, his bleary eyes narrowed. I would watch myself in future. You have a marked record now. Marked record? Joanna paled. Marked record was next to banishment in severity of punishment. People with marked records were sent to the end of every line and forced to accept the scraps of anything offered to regular town folk. Eva was now not just a second-class citizen, but a third-class one. Why do I have a marked record, citizen? I have done nothing wrong. You caused an incident, 
You failed to notify your manager that you were not going into work. Your shenanigans at Citizen Stone's laboratory required my office to send a constable mileage to and fro, two days in jail at the expense of the government. It all adds up. Expense? I didn't even get fed. We don't waste food on prisoners who might be executed. Executed? Count yourself lucky, citizen, that you are walking out of here today. She glared at him. She wanted to say something about innocence and ill-treatment, but her fuzzy brain was incapable of complex thought. Or I could rescind the order in case you want to stay and take your chances. He gave her what she guessed was his signature one-eyed stare and held out a bony hand to retract the paper he had given the guard. Joanna didn't respond to his sarcasm. Instead, she turned from the door, which signaled to the guard that she was ready to leave. She trudged out of the jail, climbing into the waiting steam chugger outside and sat in grim silence as it transported her back to Gabriel's lab.